0: This episode is supported by Sidetrack Magazine, bringing you the most beautiful and picturesque tales of adventure. Click the link in the show notes to find out more. This episode's guest is Jamie Ramsey. Now, Jamie is someone I've been trying to get on the show for a while, I reached out to him and... Uh, We tried to get something organized and then it just sort of fell apart uh, because of me and then he ended up going out of somewhere. But finally, we have this episode here for you guys. He's been on quite a few podcasts, uh, which made the research nice and easy for me, but definitely meant I tried to find some questions that we don't often talk about. So I hope you really, really enjoy this episode. Jamie is an adventurer who lives out near the Pyrenees and is just full of character, full of love for adventure. He doesn't do firsts or records, he just goes out and explores and uh, documents that. And he's just an all-round fantastic guy, which you're going to pick up in this conversation. I know you're going to love it. And uh, whilst you're feeling inspired by his tales and you're checking out his YouTube videos and following him on Instagram, uh, also go to Sidetrad Magazine and check out what they're doing. You can sign up to their free Field Journal newsletter for weekly updates on all things adventure, or you can even sign, sign up and subscribe to uh, three issues of their magazine, uh, or just the one. Um, fantastic service, fantastic guest. I know you're gonna love the episode, so without further hesitation, let's just get straight into it. Jamie, welcome to the podcast, how are you doing?
1: Uh, very well thank you thank you very much for having me and sorry for being the most difficult person to pin
0: day <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is this has taken a very casual few months to organize i think yeah, let's, let's just like, say that i'm a
1: free spirit yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and i'm um, beating and around i think when your free spirit meets my fairly relaxed approach to booking people in <laughs> so <laughs> it's ended up you've I, you've you've literally litter picked across the uk cycled around the uk um, uh, in between inquiry and booking. So you've done yes. quite a <laughs> no, lot. Okay. That makes me feel like I achieved something last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, talking about like that, that's what I just mentioned then was, was a, a tiny, tiny portion of the things you've achieved, but going back, it wasn't always that way. And I, th- I suppose my first question really is what is it that made you turn from 12 years of financial communications and and go into adventure?
1: Uh, well, so the, the kind of medium length answer to that one would be um, the, 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 essentially I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled and I wasn't satisfied with what life was uh, back in 2013. I'd spent 12 years doing a job, which was a very good job, but just not a job for me. And I kind of had a realisation that I kind of, life was spiralling down. I was unhappy. I was going out too much. I was trying to find all these different things to make me feel, which is never a good thing. And uh, I realised that I spent twelve years basically trying to live a life which was what, which was a life that I thought other people thought I should be living. Um, and living kind of set thinking this is what people think I should be doing, so I should be doing this. And then getting caught up in that you need to have a house, you need to get a car, you need to do this, and this is what society thinks you should be doing. And then. One night out with some mates, got very drunk, uh, decided rather than going home to go to my work, woke up on the floor in the bathroom, literally pulled myself up and stared at myself in the mirror and thought, we've got to make some changes. And at that point, I was just like, right, what do you want to do? And I came up with the idea of running across two continents and thought, yeah, that sounds better than what I'm doing let's just do it and let's see where life will take you if you do just dramatically change everything. So that's kind of how the ball started rolling.
0: Yeah. And I mean, let's um, just, just to give some increased uh, sort of validity, this is going to be a well-known run that I'm sure lots of people know that you did, but you didn't just run across two continents, like, like, you know, in America where you go to like, the state boundaries and you technically say you went to three States that day. Like you you literally ran from, uh, was it Vancouver, Canada, right down to, was it Buenos Aires?
1: Buenos Aires, yeah. 17,000 kilometres across 14 countries. Um, it, I averaged on running days. I used to be in PR, so I will PR it. On running days, I averaged 46 kilometres a day, so just over a marathon, pushing baby stroller with all my stuff on, and when I look back now, after everything I've done, the amount of crap i was pushing was is just insane like i would never have had that stuff if i did it now but that's that's
0: of the learning curve yeah and that, that's kind of that's kind of what i wanted to touch into actually was the learning curve aspect it for for so many reasons that the first things you do in a certain uh, in a certain area uh, like you say, you look back, and think like, well, what were they doing? Like, you know, bringing this, bringing that. <laughs> and the photos of you pushing a baby stroller are definitely funny um, oh, in, yeah, in a good great. way. But <laughs> yeah. are there any sort of fundamental lessons that that initial run taught you, which you still use today?
1: Oh, yeah. So one of the things I love most is when I was sitting there thinking, I'm going to go and run from Vancouver to Buenos Aires. Um, the things that rang through my head was listening to other adventurers and the narrative is always like it took me this much time to train it took me this much money to get together I had to learn all these skills and I always kind of thought like you're basically saying that you can do this but I can't because you have you're like this different person and I was like wait a minute I'm just a dude who's never done anything like this before and I'm just gonna go and do it like
0: I didn't have enough money
1: but I wasn't going to say, I'm not going to do this because I don't have enough money. I didn't have any training, didn't have any skills. The first night I set up my tent on the actual adventure was the first time I'd ever set my tent up. I didn't even know if my stroller fit in the tent. I didn't know what I was doing. I set a fire to a bark um, because I bought the wrong fuel for my, um, my camping stove. But what it taught me was, like literally, from the moment I said, I'm going to do this, I just said, right, you're doing this. I think I finished, my last day of work it was the 28th of July, and I was standing in Vancouver on the 11th of August uh, with a baby stroller and running. And, yeah, I screwed up so many times on the first day, but I went to sleep, having eaten some really al dente pasta, um, thinking, you know, I got through one day, let's just do another few hundred of them and we'll get to the end. And that's just kind of the, the purity of that learning curve i now take to all my adventures i don't plan my adventures i just rock up and see what happens because that makes it an adventure if you plan it not an adventure so
0: yeah that's actually a, a really good point um yeah you know, you know to, to a certain degree you know like people like jenny Tuff, and i think i said this in the last episode that was released as well she said once that uh, uh, an expedition is basically a bad holiday by design but equally yeah you know you you are not the first person you won't be the last person on this podcast to talk about just just you know going going with the flow basically you know if you structure absolutely every single detail then it's just a a weird holiday i guess
1: (laughs) yeah and it's also the fact that if you think there's this amazing thing just around the corner i've got to get there and you turn up there and it's not that amazing then you're going to be disappointed if you just turn around the corner and you see it you'll be like oh my god that is awesome But also the other thing is I learned that at the beginning of my venture, I did sort of in my brain say, 30 kilometers every day for five days, two days rest. That's going to be your thing. And I very quickly realized that if you set yourself a a time schedule, then that is all you will achieve, is what that schedule is. And that schedule will either be too little and you'll be under doing what you're capable of or too much and you'll be pushing yourself and risking injury. So what I was saying five days on two days off running 30k a day my last 28 days of that expedition was 28 days no break 58 kilometers a day so you know by allowing myself not to plan just pushing on never knowing more than a day or two ahead I managed to push myself way further and achieve more and realize what I was capable of so
0: yeah but I mean looking at your um Delve, delving deeper into your sort of how it all came about you had that vietnam run um that was cancelled i yeah. think uh, and although in today's world in 2022 i, th- I think we are all used to cancellations at this point <laughs> but um yeah um but certainly you decided to go out and run it anyway and, and yeah, i think that was that, was a, weird to... one. that
1: yeah. was a weird one because um I'd been on this kind of addiction thing. So 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, marathon and safari park, 10K swim, half Ironman, like always needing to get the next big thing. And then that race was meant to be 240 kilometers, six days through the Vietnamese uh, jungle. And I remember when it got cancelled, I was like, oh, crap. That's disappointing. I've told everyone I bought my ticket. I've kind of got all the equipment and raise money for charity. And I did for like 30 seconds think, oh my God, oh, I'm just going to sit at home. And I'm so glad I didn't, because that was one of the best ones, still one of the best ones I've ever done.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my thinking was that you know, if you hadn't gone out and done Vietnam anyway, do you think you'd still be doing solo adventures today?
1: No, because I think, so when I ta- said earlier about the fact that I woke up on the bathroom floor at work, when I went back to my desk that morning, I, I sat and thanked, thought to myself, When was the last time you can remember being happy, fulfilled uh, and kind of a sense of achievement? And I was sitting at my desk and it was like remembering back to the June the year before sitting in a little village in the middle of Vietnam, drinking a beer, having just run 240 kilometers by myself. And I guess that it was that kind of desire to relive that experience, get that feeling of pure kind of joy from doing something so simple that fueled or gave me the confidence to go on and do the big adventure, which has then opened the gate to everything else. So I owe it all to Vietnam.
0: Yeah. I, I was, one of the things I was going to ask you as well was, was about your whys and your motivations, because you have said before that you don't do firsts and you don't do records. Uh, and I think the the way I structured the question before going into this is kind of redundant now because it's very obvious, would, would I be right in assuming that your purpose for adventure is just fulfilment?
1: Yeah, so I did, no, I don't don't do 1st and I don't do records. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing first or records because that's what some people's motivation and what what kind of helps them push themselves. But for me, it's just purely like, what can I do? What's the, you know, it's a very cliche one, the circle, you're in the middle, you have a certain limit, what you think your limitations are. And when you start to push that boundary, you realise more and more and more. And I think when I did Running the Americas, I didn't do that for doing a first or record. I didn't do it to make a documentary. I just did it because I needed to prove to myself that I was capable. And then I think it was when I was running across the Andes, 4,000 meters, running 60K a day, um, and finding it fun, not difficult. Um, It made me realize, oh my God, I can do more. And, And then ever since then, it's just been this quest to keep pushing. And it went from running to cycle touring, to hiking, to mountaineering, now trying out ski touring, stand up paddle boarding. its like the, the, the pushing the boundary doesn't have to always be in one direction. Go off in different directions, see what else you're capable of doing, and you know if you're scared of something, like I'm scared of heights, go at it head on and see if you can if you can conquer it or you can learn how to deal with it. So that's my kind of—it's a it's a it's a, a journey of discovery, and that's why a lot of people ask about sponsorship and for adventures. I don't get sponsored to do my adventures. I get norm- The money I make, I think I've only one adventure I've been sponsored to do, which was cycling around the UK. Um, normally, I do work outside the adventures and that pays for the adventure, which I choose, which I think keeps it genuine, honest, and it also keeps me motivated. I wouldn't do it if it was just to make someone else or a brand happy. I'd want to do it because it makes me tick it makes me it switches me
0: on yeah i think you could see that as well because although you very very clearly and rightfully i suppose enjoyed cycling around the uk i think you announced that you were going to do a um a, was it a month or two you took off of um a social media just for a bit or like two weeks or something um because you were you were everyday stories and posts mm-hmm. about joining around the uk and um and yeah, although
1: that, that was such a that was such a sad story because originally i was approached by whole earth to cycle from london to tokyo for the olympics and then that fell apart and then we tried to do it again the next year and that fell apart so we ended up doing this thing around the uk which didn't it just didn't fit with what like i had a great time i loved going around seeing the uk and and all its beautiful places meeting awesome people but i kind of it was you've got 80 days to do ten thousand k which doesn't work with me like For me, it should be how many kilometers can you do in 80 days or how quickly can you do uh, 10,000? That's what gets me going. It's that getting up every single day. I think I took two rest days in the whole of that doing that. And, like, I never took a rest day cycling across Australia. I never took a rest day cycling across South America. And I took one forced uh, rest day hiking across Utah. I don't do rest. I keep going. And that's kind of – I want to push, 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 push. And, uh,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're thinking about um, adventure, I know what the actual adventure yourself, like you said, you learned to just be a bit more laissez-faire with it. But when you're thinking about long-term, I, I, I was listening to one podcast where you said um, you'd done the running thing and you wanted to see if there's something else you could do without sort of falling into that box. Do you have uh, sort of a, like a long-term plan of how you do these things? Um, you know, whether that be, you know, there's a certain continent, um that you'd like to do or you just know that you want to do this type of activity next Um, or generally speaking is it just when you finish one adventure you just think well what am I feeling now uh
1: so normally and I think I don't know you can never compare yourself to anyone else because everyone else is different but most people normally have like one big adventure per year Um, I try to do two or three per year because it's just and and that's not because I'm trying to be push myself harder anything, but it's because the way my mind works I always have the next one or two adventures in the bank before I start the one I'm on. Because what that does, allows me to do is turns the current adventure into a training exercise for the next adventure. Every adventure normally leads on to give, what I learned from that adventure will go on to the next adventure, which will then go on to the next adventure. Um, when it comes to like choosing like a strategy about where I'm going with my adventuring, I'm not at the level where I have that luxury. At the moment, it is... I have a list of things I'd love to do and quite often it's just what is my budget going to allow me to do. So one I haven't talked about yet, but uh, in September I'm going to run or fast hike the Pyrenees, the length of the Pyrenees. Uh, It's like 800 K roughly with lots of up and down. Um, And I've always wanted to do it, but the reason I'm doing it now is because it's on my doorstep and it's, so it's not going to cost me anything. So that's what's actually driven me to that one but I've got this big one in mind for the end of the year But I need to get the money. Um, and then ge- geographically, I need to do something in Asia, Russia and Africa, just
0: because yes. I don't know
1: those places. And I have to go to Nepal. so
0: uh, And Antarctica as well.
1: <laughs> I would love to go there, but it just costs... I, I kind of sit there and think... It just I think that amount of money, what could I do elsewhere? And like... I could have 15 adventures or go on one really cool adventure. It's like, I'll take the 15. Like, yeah. it, it get, you probably get into like a little club of people who have done that thing, but I don't really care about that. So yeah. it, it doesn't float my boat. I'd rather do something low key and just push myself harder.
0: Well, do you ever find when you are planning something um, that you kind of get a bit, um, I suppose, uh, lost in the source? I mean, we're talking about fulfillment. Do you ever, when you're planning out the next thing, think about what you could do, sort of take a step back and go, actually, I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy this. So I'm going to try and um, maybe aim for this this sort of variant of what I'm doing. Um, and, and the example I'm thinking of is a, a, a lady called Fiona Quinn was training to do sort of couch to marathon to do the Pennine Way. Uh, and she, close to when she was wanting to do it, she kind of just stepped back and thought, why, am I, why have I set myself on Pennine Way? I love cake. I love Scotland. So I'm going to go to the eye of the sky and just run across the Outer um, Hebrides. Um, and she did that instead. Um, I was wondering, you know, for someone who does so much, do you ever get those sort of moments when you're thinking like, you're sort of planning something, you go, well, what the fuck am I planning? Like, I'm going to do this instead. As a Scotsman, I would say, anyone trading
1: in, running in England for Scotland, she did a way better thing. (laughs) And having run the Outer Hebrides, I know how amazing it is. So well done her for doing that. I don't really come up against that because I do choose what I want to do. It's the fuel... I'm not doing it for anyone else i'm not doing it nothing else is pushing it so it kind of like my next one is to cycle across the usa and that's partly because i've run the across i've run down it i want to go over the rockies so i might as well cycle all the way across america to get to the rockies um and you know i thought i'd hate america and i thought i'd hate americans and i loved it and i loved all the americans so I just want to go back and meet some more of them. And like, I'm not doing it. Most people are like, I'm doing New York to San Francisco and everyone goes, oh my God, are you doing a FKT? And I'm like, no, I'm got 55 days. I'm going to try and see as much of the country as possible by wiggling my way around. And everyone goes, well, what time of year? It's like, June. we don't go to Death Valley. It's like, well, oh, that's 100% what I'm going to do. Well,
0: yeah, what well, is, do you think that's a lesson you learned from that? Um, I remember you talking about that race you did where you um, you hurt your ankle then. And then you, instead of thinking I'm just I'm just gonna um, drop out, you're like, nope, I'm gonna power through. Yeah, that was that was I call that my most my biggest hero and my biggest
1: idiot moment. For, to, I was up to 200k into a 400k race, twist my ankle, uh, actually sprained my ankle, couldn't walk, and then fueled by beer and cacao managed to finish the race and come third and then never have an ankle be the same again ever since. So, um, but, um, you know, you learn from these mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, well, you think you learn, because then I went to Madagascar, having twisted my ankle again. And then I just thought, oh, if I just take two weeks off, fly out all the way to Madagascar, get all the way to the top, and then do my first run, that's appropriate way of doing this, and then learned that I wasn't.
0: Yeah, it's good to have the have the sense to be able to acknowledge sort of where the, the limitation is. Yeah. <laughs> it
1: was a good learning curve for me because I did actually have to, you know, I was sitting there thinking, oh my God, because when you're on an adventure, you have this weird, especially with social media, you have this weird thing that everyone's watching you, everyone's expecting you, but no one is watching you. They've all got their own lives to deal with and they're doing their stuff. You're doing your stuff and good luck to all of you. Um, and I, I had to, I phoned my brother and I said, like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, just don't just don't do it. I was like, all right. And then I said, I'm not going to do it. And no one said, Oh, you idiot, you loser. I was like, oh, okay. Really? No one actually cares. So, um, and that's why I do it for me, not for other people. And that, that adventure made me rem- rem- kind of reminded me of that.
0: Yeah. It's that, that um, quote, what is it? Um, the people who matter don't care and the people who care don't matter. Um, and another analogy I heard as well, which is really good, was um, going all the way back to sort of secondary school when you've got like a spot on your face and you go into school going, oh, I've got this spot on my face. I'm really worried about it. I don't want anyone to see it. And actually, no, no one gives a shit because they've got their own spots. <laughs> so yeah, they're yeah. all turning up to secondary school thinking, "Well, like, oh, God, no one look at me. <laughs> yeah. so, you said before, um, and we kind of touched upon it briefly before we hit record, um, the summit back in Kagawa was quite an, uh, an emotional summit for you. And talking uh, broadly, not specifically, I saw that you were training for some sort of ski touring um, last year somewhere. Do you, uh, did you have any plans or passions for so- mountainous stuff again? Or is that more sort of like, you know, hobby for you? When you're not doing an adventure, you, ha- you hop out to the Pyrenees for a bit.
1: So, no, I, I will spend as much time as I can. In, I find mountains a place of beautiful solitude, um, not loneliness, solitude, and uh, I spent New Year's Eve there. So while everyone else was kind out of partying and doing their thing, I trekked up on snowshoes to a coal at 2,500 meters and camped. Um, didn't know I, I'd never really camped in proper snow, which was weird. I didn't realize that until I got up there, and I was like, "I've never really done this before." And all the adventuring I've done, I was sitting there trying to set up a tent on snow. I was like, "Tent pegs don't do anything," so I just picked up rocks and just put them inside my tent, and then open my bottle of champagne and it's all the new year's eve, eve in. but for me ski touring at the moment is a training mechanism i use it i find it's a really good way of just getting to the mountains i by yourself going up i love going up i love coming down but i love going up so just using that power back on Kagura was you know as i said earlier i was scared of heights um, um and i went with my friend al and that was an amazing experience and i definitely want to do more mountains more summits um it's a weird one for me because i have to go with someone else because like it's just safer to go with other people and i'm not very good at going with other people so i need to get better at that but um there will be more summits and there will be variations on how i do summits potentially in the future um you know there's mountains like i'm not going to do the seven summits running out, but you know denali we were talking about a little bit earlier love to go and do that if i ever get the wonga um and you know there's mountains all over the world but um I think mountains are just a cool place to hang out ground you make you feel like you are nothing because you really are when you're in the mountains you just they just look at you and just, like <laughs> we're gonna win you have to respect us and I love that
0: yeah yeah absolutely. the, the perspective it gives you is incredible yeah. I have even had um You know, like I've been looking at the mountains thinking, oh God, like my argument, like, you know, like with my partner at the time, like that argument just means nothing. Like, like, why why are we even arguing? And unfortunately, that then doesn't transcend back into sorting out the argument. But at least I had that moment where (laughs) where I realized it was nothing. But um, yeah, they, they just humble you, don't they?
1: It allows you to have time. It, as you said, gives you perspective. Like when you're up there, like on New Year's Eve, I came over this call and then I was the only person for. The next twenty four hours, didn't see another living human being. It was like no one else had snowshoed where I was, so I was just like, like no one's been here. And I'm obviously there's a, probably a reason for that, and I should have checked that out. But um, it just it just it's freeing. It just makes you feel alive. So
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you kind of touched a little bit on it just then uh, about not being very good. Um, uh, with working with someone else. I think this is the trip. Uh, and it was, so it's a good segue in timing. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Iceland. Yeah, uh, yeah. What was that? Can you tell us a bit more about Iceland?
1: Yeah, Iceland was... It was It was no one's fault. And it was... I loved running across Iceland. Um, I really enjoyed the experience. I, I did come out at the end of it, just not feeling I got exactly what I wanted out of it for, for a couple of reasons. One... Um, I think on day like four I I bumped into a a Polish chap who was doing it for the first time Uh, and he was doing really well but he was injured and I don't think he quite had the right kit or enough food and that kind of stuff and I just kind of having been someone who's done it and we're about to go into a really sketchy area I kind of ran with him to kind of make sure he was going to be all right and then a friend came out and then I kind of realized that he hadn't really done any training and it just meant that and it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, it meant I could only run like 50 55k a day. Um, and for people who do this kind of stuff, you realize that it's the it's the 55 to 75 when you're nailing it at the end of the day and you find that new release of like that's where you get the buzz and you really push. and if you can't do that, you just feel like you' just you're like, I could have done this in 10 days, not 12 um and so it just it just kind of left a bit of a a, not a bitter taste but just like i just dissatisfied that i could have done like better i could have pushed myself harder and i would have had less stress um but i learned a valuable lesson about me not being good at doing stuff with other people and and having to address that and how to reapproach it so i learned that don't take people on my adventures that doesn't work but go along find people who want you to go along and help them with their adventure and then you go along as an assist to them to try and push them and then you get your satisfaction out of them getting to the end rather than you getting to the end so that's what I'm trying to do I've got an adventure with someone this year um as a girl I met really bizarre went to a festival got drunk met we were all talking about adventures ended up talking to this girl and we're going off to run across a country and We've met once. And then I remembered we had a phone call. I was like, now I, I seem to remember I offered to, and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Like, right, okay, we're doing this thing. And um, so keeping to my word, and we're going to go and do it. But it will be to help get across.
0: Yeah, that energy is just irreplaceable, isn't it? Like, that's like, <laughs> like when you meet someone who doesn't go, why are you doing that? But yeah. <laughs> they go, how can I join in? But that's-
1: yeah, well, it was at the, I don't know if you've been to the, the armchair festival
0: oh i desperately wanted to go last year but i just could not make the timings work the best
1: best festival i've been to i loved every minute of it um met so many cool people and things like that came out of it you know because people were just chatting and like let's go do and it just shows how pure and beautiful adventure is because Everyone was there. No one was competing. No one was like, well, I've done this and I've done this. It was just like, you've done that. That's amazing. And then people like just motorbike because it was motorbikers. And everyone was just, oh, it was beautiful. It really showcased why adventure is an amazing thing.
0: Yeah, because there's plenty of room for everyone. So there's no need to think that um, someone else's win is your loss. You know, there's that their win is their win, and you've got your own wins, and that's just that's just like like you said. And you both
1: and you inspire each other, and you learn from each other, and you see someone else doing something you didn't think you could do, and you're like, oh, they did it, I can do it. Like it inspires you on, and yeah, which is why things like podcasts are amazing because you can hear stories about how normal people can do incredible things, and they stay normal people. Like everyone who's done a huge adventure, they still have the exact same fears and.
0: The, the same shit it's just controlling isn't it and, yeah. and and using it to your advantage rather than not doing anything at all yeah, yeah I mean I mean I'm nearing 120 episodes of this so I can guarantee that at least 120 times in my life I've I've walked away from something a conversation just like full of life like like these, yeah. these conversations are yeah they're, they're fantastic and I've like I've had I've had the pleasure of having such amazing people on and 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 yeah I, I no point Especially as a single father. So when I am limited to how much I do. I can't just wake up and think, I've got some savings. I'm going to quit my job and go run Vancouver, Buenos uh, mm. Aires. You know, that's not an option for me. And I still don't leave any of these things like feeling bad jealous. I feel good jealous when someone says they've gone and done Denali or something. <laughs> and I'm not yeah, just like yeah. really excited yeah. for them. But um... you know, you're going to be that person one day. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Denali's not going anywhere. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not moving. We'll still, we'll still be there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, listen, this is um uh, borderline a um, philosophical question, um, depending on how okay. you take it, or it could just be a very factual question. But would you redo the run across Iceland, seeing as you didn't quite get all the fulfillment you wanted from it?
1: I might be doing it, but I might be doing it with someone. So um, I might go. I, I I might go and run it with someone. Who I met at a festival <laughs> but doing it but doing it with the intention of doing it that way, which will make it different different. Um, uh, would I go back and do it solo? Probably not. Iceland's amazing and it's amazing because of the beautiful waterfalls and the cra- craggy rocks and the volcanoes and the, the kind of thermal activity none of that is in the middle of iceland none of it so if i went back to iceland by myself i would cycle around it so i could go and actually see the stuff
0: is it i think it's called route one or something the the ring road just go
1: all go all the way around beautiful um would i go back and run across iceland just to prove something to myself no i i think i would use the opportunity of the time and the funds that it take to do that go and discover something completely new Um, Tyson will always be a fond memory for me um even though it wasn't perfect it's still I still enjoyed it um so I don't need to go back and redo it because it was a learning process that's what all these adventures are like if every time you went on an adventure you came back and thought I could have done that better you would end up just doing the same adventure every single time you have to you finish the chapter and you go on to the next chapter and you learn from previous what's happened previously, and you just improve going forward. And um, yeah, last time, when I was in Iceland, the weather was perfect. If I went back again, and it rained and it was windy, and have a miserable time, and I'd probably sit there going, oh, I wish I had someone with me, to keep me warm at night. So no,
0: no. Perfect. Uh, which, which trip do you think um, taught you the most out of all that? You know, just on that subject, which, which one do you think gave you the most lessons?
1: I think. I think hiking across Utah on the Hedric Trail was a real, for me, was a real learning curve from start to finish. I'd never really done wilderness trekking before. You know, I did was it 800 kilometres There were five places to get food along that whole trip. So you had to carry, like, 10 days of food on you at all times. I came across, came up to, like, challenges I didn't even think about. And because I don't plan, I should have known about them. But, like, when you suddenly arrive at a river called the Escalante, which obviously makes it sound scary, and then you have to walk 27 miles down this river, in the river, and then camping. And then when you tried to get out each side, it was all brush and, like, and you're going kind to of get to the end and you like, if I'd fallen over at any point during that, I would have died. And you're like, and then you come up to things like you're looking at the map and there's a cliff. And you're like, how am I meant? Why It's like thirty foot? And then you have to realise that you have to climb up the cliff with a rope attached to you in your ha- backpack and then pull the bag up. And when you're scared of heights... You know, I think I cried pretty much at the end of that one. And then you do it again, and you don't. So it challenged me in so many ways. And I had to kind of, the beauty of doing it 14 days with one of my closest friends, and then um, 22 days alone. So I got the beautifulness of doing it both ways. It taught me a lot, that trip. That was hard. That was hard. And I want to go back and finish it, because I only did the first 800K. So there's another 500 to go, so. Oh, wow. I would definitely, if anyone's through it, like, I don't want to, I would love to do the PCT. I'd love to do the, all the kind of the continental divide, all the big walks and stuff in America. But there is something really awesome about doing something like the Haydook Trail, because there isn't a track, there isn't a trail, Like it's a hypothetical route by a character from a book, which is fiction. And you're like, you just, is someone just come up with this idea and you're just, you are on your own. In the middle of really quite a deadly place, and you just have to get on and struggle through. And it's and it's not like you're going to meet people every five minutes and like hey, how is your walk? Are you having a great time? Let's all camp together. That doesn't happen. You just most of the days you get to the end of the day and you're lying in your tent going, okay, fuck, I'm still alive, still alive, still alive. Let's get up and do it again tomorrow. And and there's that feeling of I'm still alive that makes you feel alive, and that's what I just loved about it. And then I got to the end and add to hitchhike. And I met these born-again Christians or something who drove me like 60 kilometres to where I wanted to go, not where they wanted to go, and then gave me $50 to go out for lunch. And I was just like, this is, I love, love this. Kind of the feeling of just, you know, you do something like that and then you meet people and you talk about it. And, ah oh,
0: just beautiful. Sorry, right, getting all excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately... We're coming up on time, and I, I could count. My issue is I could waffle on for like three hours asking you questions, <laughs> but life doesn't um, doesn't let us go that way. Um, I've got two more questions for you, one and a half sort of. Uh, the first question is: of of all of your adventures that you've done, uh, and all of the, the the multiple fantastic experiences experiences you've had of Americans, all through to different landscapes, what is one moment that you would love to relive?
1: I probably say this every time, but the um, when I cycled across South America and I got to the Salar de Uni, and it was March or April 2017, I thought it was going to be the massive salt flat, and it turned out to be a flooded salt flat because I didn't plan and didn't realise that it was the rainy season and had six inches of rain on top of it, and then had to cycle out into the middle of what is essentially a mirror, with the whole of the sky just reflected in the water by yourself. I had no map. I had nothing. I was just aimlessly cycling into this mirror um, to try and find this island where I could sleep that night. And that was awesome. That was just, it was like, because it was out of this world. Um, and because everyone told me I couldn't do it, everyone was like, you can't go, you can't go, you can't go. And then I met germans in a big monster truck and they were like yeah hell yeah you go. so i was like if two germans think i can do it then i'll cycle out aimlessly into this death trap and it was yeah not trying to plug but if you go to my youtube jamie is adventuring there is a video of going across it it's awesome not the video the experience
0: well the um Um, Well, I mean, I'm sure the video is also awesome. But but actually, that is a segue to the next half question before we finish off, which is if we wanted to follow along with your adventures or just see the content that you push out from what you do, where could we go?
1: I try to keep my stuff just down to two. I go to Instagram and to um, YouTube and it's Jamie is adventuring. And I do genuinely like I just love making the videos. I'm an amateur, but I love the editing process and I love reliving the experiences I've been on. And hopefully, people get to watch them. And they kind of, I've done like a whole series on cycling across South America, a whole series of the Hayduke Trail. There's like a full video of Akon cycling across Australia. Um, I know my mum's watched them, probably a couple of cousins, but if anyone else wants to watch them, that'd be great. Um, but you know, it, I don't take anything very seriously. And that comes across hopefully in the videos. So uh, they're, they're fun. But I do try and do like, I do kit videos because uh, I gen- generally want to try and help people buy the right equipment so they can go off and do these adventures safely and properly. Because I think if you have the right stuff and you have the right knowledge, then you're going to have a better time and that's going to make you want to do more of it. If you go along with a crap sleeping bag, shit pen, You're going to have an awful time and you're never going to do it again. So if I can help people enjoy it, that's kind of what I want to do.
0: Okay. Well, Jamie, listen, thank you so much for coming on. It has been a truly inspiring, a proper fun chat. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Thanks very much.